Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. As we continue to watch the march towards the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, of course, we've watched many of the refugees leaving Ukraine, but there's also been a departure from Russia that we want to look into that's a little bit beyond the headlines. To help us do that, joining us from Latvia today, really pleased to have back on the program today uh, from the Washington Post, uh, Mary Ilushina, uh, who joins us. And I know it's late where you are, Mary, but we appreciate you uh, making some time for us and uh, just great writing and great reporting. Uh, so give us some context in terms of uh, who's actually leaving Russia and uh, what is that really telling us? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So, well, a lot of people have left Russia for very different reasons, but if we categorize and sort of generalize, I would say it's mainly um, obviously men of fighting age uh, because the fear draft that Putin um, announced in September and, you know, there's still a lot of risks involved if you're a fighting aged able-bodied man in mm. Russia that you might be drafted. So this is one really prominent stream of uh, of emigres in Russia. Um, but also it's people who um, just couldn't live in a country that started this war. That's the sort of the first initial wave of uh, people who left Russia were leaving a lot of them for political reasons because um, a lot of them were unhappy with the way Russia was um, developing and the political course that Russia took. Um, even before the war, and that was kind of the last straw. And you find a lot of these people in places like Georgia and Armenia. Those are probably young, uh, maybe middle class, maybe slightly lower or upper middle class. Um, but they're more more of activists, and they're more politically engaged, um, and they're more sort of challenged by um, staying in a country um, that is waging war in a neighboring country. Yeah. Um, But also a lot of professionals, a lot of uh, people who left for economic reasons. So I would say fighting age men, people who hated the fact that Russia started the war and people who are still want to live in an international country and Russia is not so much that anymore. Yeah. You also mentioned in your reporting uh, that uh, there is a significant chunk of the country's IT force that has also been uh, leaving and and not returning. Uh, What does that look like? According to Russian estimates, uh, or over like 10% of IT specialists left from the country. And this is probably the most evident long-term economic impact and something that's already hurting Russia um, because of this war and because of this immigration process. Because, you know, Russia is 
you know, technologically quite advanced, you know, we have like great banking systems there. And um, there were a lot of fintech startups, and this is really booming scene. And there are a lot of really, really strong IT talent. But that talent is also understands that they can apply their skills elsewhere. And they don't necessarily want to live in Russia, and they don't want to apply their skills there anymore. Um, And a lot of state companies like those as Burbank, which is the main bank in Russia, um, was, you know, they're trying to bring them back, but they can't really find an incentive for them to lure them back into Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been offering deferrals from army service and like promising that they're not going to be drafted, but that didn't really work. So a lot of people left and they find themselves in, you know, every, everywhere, everywhere from the United States to Georgia, you know, yeah. Georgia, the country, not the state. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and so I want to get to something that when I when I read your piece uh, and it's such it's such great reporting, there was something that was just a wow moment for me. Uh, so you talk, mm-hmm. we talk about kind of the brain drain. And that's what you've been talking about. Uh, the IT folks, the those that are mm-hmm. upwardly mobile and so on. Uh, but then you had this uh, just compelling line um, talking about that layer of citizens that really could have changed the country, that could have been those change agents within the country. Uh, have now been washed away. Uh, dig into that a little bit for us, and and uh, let's talk about why that is so significant, and why we should be watching that as well as uh, these other components. Yeah, of course, because people who left, especially people who were you know very politically engaged or were politically engaged, they left because of the risks that um, they were faced in Russia. Because as you you know have heard and you know is that protesting is essentially illegal. Uh, you can't criticize the war. You can call it a war. You can end up in prison and get like a 15-year-long term. Um, so that's all very, very scary. And a lot of people left because of that. But those are the people who were actively unhappy with the Putin government. They were trying to do something. They were activist journalists or just really highly skilled professionals who were just not going along with the regime and not wanting to help um, this country, this government to develop. So their absence and the absence of generally the most sort of, you know, it's really, if you think about it, it's really difficult to just abandon your country and you have to yeah. be a certain type of person to do it and to reinvent yourself somewhere else. It's those are people who are quite skilled and they're very mobile, they're kind of progressive and they're, you know, they know what they want from life and they know how, you know, things probably should be in a normal country. So they're talented and they're very skilled. And for Russia, it's obviously a big loss. And those are the people who could bring some change, who could do something, who could develop it further, who could push it further. And now they're just not there anymore. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, that's such a... 
just such a fascinating thing to to think about. You think about who's going to have to lead the change, and uh, when you mm-hmm. lose that that big swath of of talent and uh, and ideology and vision and so on, uh, that is a uh, that's what I want to come back to on another day to to dig into a little bit further. Uh, but I also want to uh, before I let you go, I want to uh, dig into some of the. Uh, things that are happening, uh, you mentioned that, one, the, the longer the war goes on, the less likely people are to return at all. Uh, so describe that to us. And then you also spent some time in Dubai, uh, which has become an interesting uh, place in terms of where some of the uh, Russian people are going. Yeah. So in terms of the longer people, are, people stay abroad, it's, again, a pretty natural process, you know. People who left the Russia in you know 100 years ago in 1917 uh, because of the revolution, a lot of them believe they're going to come back in a year or two, and they've never mm-hmm. returned because it, then it turned into Soviet Russia, and there was just th- their home was gone, their country that they knew was gone, and a lot of people right now feel the same way. You know, they hope that maybe they'll return one day, but. A lot of people also realize that the, for example, the Moscow that left is not the same Moscow anymore. So there's no nowhere to come back really. Mm. Um, and your kids go to school, you learn new language, you find a new job, and your whole entire life is already there. So it's quite difficult to rebuild those ties. Um, so a lot of people might never come back. And Dubai is especially interesting because um, that is the place where you meet people who are for example, against the war, but they can't really get a visa to the EU or somewhere else because it's very, very difficult. But they're quite skilled and they have, um, you know, an applicable job. They work in finance or IT or somewhere else. And they find themselves in Dubai because they can get its open arms approach. They can get a job there, can get a visa, and they can lead a pretty normal life. And that's quite attractive for them. But it's also a place where a lot of Russian oligarchs go to because, again, it's very easy for them mm. to sort of park their assets there um, and to use it as a, another playground because they can't go to Paris anymore, for example, or London. Right. Um, and maybe they're under sanctions. So it's a very interesting clash of, you know, people who are, you know, just really want an economic opportunity to use their money and they don't really care about geopolitics and people who actually really care about geopolitics, but they can't find a place for themselves elsewhere. So they go to Dubai because it offers all these opportunities. It's quite interesting, the sort of the people you see there. And also there's a lot of a lot of influencers, which is another fun phenomenon that couldn't explain in the piece too long because (laughs) it wouldn't be too long, but it's really interesting. All the Russian TikTokers are in Dubai right now. Really? Wow. That I would not have guessed. (laughs) Excellent. Well, let me ask you just one last thing as as, uh, things march forward um, and you have such a unique perspective, again, uh, being in Latvia, covering uh, this for the Washington Post. uh, What is it that you're watching for next? What else is under the radar uh, that maybe we got to be a little more mindful of? I think on the surface, you don't really see a lot of change in Russia because things are sort of, it's functioning, you know, things are still available. Not all of them are available, but things are, you know, are there. It's not like it collapsed because of sanctions. And, you know, I think the expectation was that, you know, it's going to just, you know, disintegrate within a year. And that's not happening. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But mm. we got to watch for the changes in the mood and how people perceive whether they're going to get extremely tired with the war because they are already signs that they are tired of this war because, you know, there are no wins that Russia can present to them. Um, And that will probably be the most important. I think the silent 
there's a lot of silence in Russia right now because you can't really talk openly. And the loudest voice is the one that is pro-war because that's what, you know, the Kremlin is supporting. So that's right. why you hear it so much. But you got to watch out what's happening with people who have for very long time been apolitical. But then eventually this kind of hurt inflicted on the country by the war might catch up with them. And I think what's going to happen then would be quite critical for everything. Yeah, so important. Uh, great reporting, uh, Mary. We appreciate you staying up late in Latvia tonight to uh, help us get a better perspective on what's happening inside of Russia, who's leaving and why, and uh, really what comes next. Uh, great reporting, great writing as always. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. One of the really important things that I took away from that conversation was recognizing where these people are, these Russians, who really could be the the people who could change the course of the country. And as Mary pointed out, a lot of them have left the country. Uh, the good news, the good news is that with today's technology, uh, those kinds of changes in governments and organization can happen from any place on the compass and anywhere around the globe. And so that's encouraging. Uh, the challenging part and the thing that I think we have to continue to watch is that the longer people tend to stay out of their country, the less likely they are to return and Mary pointed out a, a few of those examples, uh, even back to the uh, fall of the uh, of the wall uh, and and uh, the events that followed that. That people who had left but had been gone for a long time uh, still didn't come back. They just didn't have the confidence to do that. Uh, and so, while I think you can uh, start massive change, major change in a country from any point on the compass because of technology, you've also got to have that core inside the country. Uh, that can execute it and be committed to being there. And I think that's going to be the real challenge for changes in Russia uh, over the long haul. And clearly there is a group of Russians who do want that kind of change, who are tired uh, of Vladimir Putin and, uh, and a war against Ukraine that is unjustified uh, into a sovereign country uh, and is costing many of Russian families uh, their best and brightest. And so it's going to be really fascinating for me to continue to watch how this plays out and how those who are now outside of Russia continue to have influence inside of Russia and what that ultimately means for the future of the Russian people. Not the Russian government, not Vladimir Putin, but the people in the country of Russia and when that tipping point comes. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Come up some final thoughts on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.